Greetings, HPLD listeners. Before we get to today's podcast, just a quick update on something we have available. If you go to mylibrary.us and check the menu, we have an item, COVID Business Help. This offers resources in English and Spanish to help those who run small businesses who have been impacted by the economic effects of COVID. So head over to mylibrary.us and check the menu for COVID Business Help. You can also get there by going to mylibrary.us slash jobs dash and dash business. Today's episode is another show from several years ago when we had a Weldcast project going. This is an interview with Miranda Carbaugh, who is the co-owner operator of Wiley Roots Brewing in Greeley, Colorado. Please enjoy. Welcome to Weldcast a digital project from the High Plains Library District. This project records, documents, and preserves the rich artistic history of Weld County and its residents through storytelling. The stories are stored digitally and are available to all users online at weldcast.com. This is our main uh, brew house and fermentation area. Uh, we brew on a seven-barrel system for our production system. The voice you are hearing is Kyle Carbaugh, head brewer and co-owner of Wiley Roots Brewing in Greeley. And the noise in the background is the beautiful music of beer being made. This is a 26-gallon system, so this is our pilot, pilot system. Nice. So this is what you do if you're testing something out to see exactly what happens? Yep. On this episode of Weldcast, Peter Dirk sits down with Kyle's wife and partner in running the brewery, Miranda Carbaugh, to discuss the origin story behind Wiley Roots. She shares some of the secrets behind their early success at the Great American Beer Festival, and also talks about how operating in Greeley has impacted their business. Well, let's just start right at the top then. You know, of course, many of us love beer. I know that's a big secret, Um, (laughs) but you know, not all of us or not many of us even really can make a career out of it or do make a career. So tell us about how you started. Uh, So Kyle started brewing in the basement and, you know, I was very supportive of, you know, his hobby and I'd sample, you know, different things that he brewed at home and, you know, kind of moved, you know, into the kitchen and um, he just really seemed to enjoy it and was passionate about it and, for Christmas one year, I made a journal for him. So basically, it was just kind of a list of all the breweries in Colorado. And uh, this was, I think, for 2009. And the goal was to travel to every brewery in Colorado. Nice. And so and, and I volunteered to drive. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. basically, that was kind of our goal. And we totally didn't make it. But we, we hit probably 80 to 85 breweries. Wow. And during that year, wow. and you know, we got to travel all over the state. And, you know, it was just such a great culture. And, you know, during that process, I fell in love with beer and, you know, I tried everything and just really enjoyed it. Yeah. And at the end of that year, because of how wonderful everyone was, you know, for the different brewery trips that we went to, we just thought, you know, we have to be a part of this industry in yeah. you know, some capacity and yeah. hoped that, you know, we could make good enough beer to start our own. So it was a combination of something that you guys kind of got into, but then also seeing how great that community was, is that definitely that prompted a lot of it? Definitely. You know, I can remember, you know, we 
went down 285 and went all the way down to Cortez and went back up to Grand Junction and came back over, you know, there were a couple, you know, day trips, weekend trips. Um, yeah. And we had some favorites. We had some, you know, not, not, not so much (laughs) on the favorite end, but, um, we just learned a lot from every single one of them. And we'd ask bartenders, you know, what they thought about working for that brewery. If we could talk to the owners, we did. Oh, okay. uh, we just looked at you know what their tap room looked like, how what their environment felt like, and yeah. and we didn't even go into it with the you know expectation that we would start a brewery. We just went into it with you know the idea that we just wanted to sample what they had to offer. Yeah, that's like a it's kind of a Colorado thing. It seems like if you go to almost any town in Colorado or any city, you can go to at least one local brewery, right? I mean, it seems yeah. like no matter where you go, it's kind of like a fun thing to do if you just find yourself in a part of Colorado. So that was kind of how you got into it as far as, you know, it turned, it was this fun thing that you guys did together. And um, But then tell me a little bit about how, how it transitioned into a business. Uh, you know, one of the main things that we learned when we went to all these other breweries is that consistency and quality is just so important. And a lot of the newer breweries that had opened up when we went on this tour, uh, consistency was a, seemed to be a major challenge for them. And so that's why um, we kind of looked at the resources that we had. And Kyle's parents live in Greeley and uh, they have a horse barn. And so we kind of, we honestly, we purchased um, a couple fermenters, seven barrel fermenters, even okay. though we were still home brewing. Uh-huh. And uh, we had our pilot system, you know, this like 20 gallon pilot system. And so we just brewed, tried to learn how to brew on a commercial scale way before we opened. Okay. Uh, so Kyle, we were probably, I think, 24 at the time, 24 okay. years old. And, you know, Kyle had mentioned, you know, I really, really want to do this. And, it, you know, at that point in time, I said, this sounds, this sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were 24. This is, you know, the financial situation, um, you know, mortgage crisis, all that. Yeah. Um, so getting a loan at 24, yeah. uh, <laughs> we, we knew that that would be a challenge. Right. And so, you know, based on, you know, we both had, you could say corporate jobs, you know, we kind of survived, you know, through that. And we decided on our own to, um, to be self-financed. Okay. And so we basically lived on one income, uh, for five years. Okay. If you can imagine <laughs> for five that years. Would be, yeah. And so, uh, we technically formed, uh, you know, what is now Wiley Roots in 2009 and very, very patiently waited until we, you know, had enough money uh, saved to then finally open in 2013. Okay. My initial plan, um, I worked in higher education before this and, you know, really loved my job, really loved my career. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of something that the more that we, you know, dove into planning the brewery, it was just, you know, oh, I'd like to be a part of this. So eventually it was, I felt like I have to be a part of this. And so uh, the plan was never for me to leave my job first. It just kind of worked out that way. Um, So I ended up leaving my job. And so I run the tap room and the business operations. And uh, Kyle, you know, kept on at his job in Denver. And so we were open for a year and a half and he commuted to Denver and then brewed, you know, kegged off beer at nights and on the weekends till we could um, basically afford for him to quit his job. Wow. So, yeah, it was um, definitely quite a go, but 
that's kind of how it transitioned from, you know, being being a hobby, you know, into something else. You guys started like really strong. You kind of you won some awards at the. Uh the brew fest in Denver right away. Yeah, we, um, we, to meet the deadline, uh, for the great American beer festival, cause we had planned on opening mid July. We, we opened by before the end of June oh, okay. for just like a couple of days, <laughs> just so we could meet the deadline. And, uh, and then in, I think it was in September, we won the bronze, um, for the super 77 American wheat. And, you know, winning the first time, it just, you know, you're in this room of thousands of people and, you know, you doubt yourself, you know, who's to say, you know, I'm any good at this or, you know, you're just in front of your colleagues that, you know, you've, they're famous, you know, right. to you. And so you're like, you think in your mind, how, how, how are, how is what we're doing remotely on the same level as what they're doing? So to win a bronze, I mean, literally, I can't even describe how awesome that was. And then, um, you know, the, the following year, you know, we didn't win a medal. And so, you know, I think feeling that, you know, it's just, wow, this is truly a once-in-a-lifetime accomplishment. And then to win the gold uh, medal for the same beer uh, this year, I, again, I, I can't even describe how that feels to yeah. to be so proud of that beer and that beer specifically I don't know if you know the the backstory on that beer, no. but um, that beer just means a lot to me, you know, and my family. My family immigrated from Russia um, before the Bolshevik Revolution. Okay. And they, you know, they worked long hours in a coal factory, a brickyard, saved enough money to open a farm in, in Milliken, which is where my family's farm is today. And uh, basically, they farmed by hand for an entire generation. Wow. And the first tractor they could afford to buy was the Super 77. Okay. So, you know, I came from those, you know, entrepreneurial roots and, you know, had that growing up and, you know, with my family. And so I loved that we got to name that beer after something that was just such a part of, you know, who I am yeah. and growing up. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, to think about brewing that beer with that in mind and like putting the label on and it's got yeah. that you know and uh that's a pretty incredible journey for an idea true and a family journey and it's all kind of wrapped up in that one thing that's really great yeah but i i would definitely say to win a medal for anything you know the commitment to quality and consistency is just so key but to you know, win a second medal for that beer, it just really confirmed that, you know, this wasn't luck, this wasn't, right, you know, right. chance, you yeah. know, that that we somehow ended up with this medal, that this really is a solid beer. And, you know, to be recognized by, you know, people that do this for a living is just incredible. Yeah, it would seem, I could see what you're saying, maybe, because it's like, uh, you know, in the Olympics, it's sort of the beer Olympics, except for it's almost the Olympics of an art where yeah. it's kind of harder to have specific guidelines, you know, in the Olympics, so-and-so crossed the line first, so they won. But with something artistic like this, it's harder to say what's better. And so to win twice is a pretty big, pretty Thank big you. deal. Yeah. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, so for people who live kind of outside of the, especially the immediate area, 
you know, Colorado and northern Colorado has become this real mecca of craft brewing. There's a lot of breweries and a lot of smaller breweries and that kind of thing. Um, so what is it about the area that has caused such a boom here? I would definitely say uh, water quality. Um, you know, the, some of the other breweries in other states have to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on a water treatment system, you know, just to to be, you know, at the level of what our water is like in, you know, Colorado or northern Colorado. Um, definitely, I think the culture, um, you know, People are used to taking a weekend or going on trips to go see breweries and, you know, people have goals to travel to as many as they can and, you know, try really out there unique styles. I think the, you know, the culture of craft beer, people are willing to try new things where, you know, certain certain products, people aren't going to see a beer on the, you know, or see an item on the shelf and take a chance on it. Where with craft beer, people do. People, oh, I've never heard of that brewery or, oh, I've never tried that that beer from them I've liked everything else they've come out with but I've not had that beer so people are more willing to take a chance you know with their eight ten twelve dollars I would say as a whole um definitely our our distribution laws in Colorado the fact that we can self-distribute our beer is just just so important you know that we're able to go to go to our you know liquor local family-owned liquor store and show them our product you know have them try what we have to offer and you know we're able to compete at the same level as some of the macro brands even though as of right now we're still hand bottling so so you're able to actually brew the beer load it up and take it to the liquor store just all yourselves yeah and a a lot of other states aren't you know they're not in that situation yeah if you ever wanted to go to a place where the distance from where the beer is made to where you would drink it is very short if you're like someone who likes to farm to table and know where it came from this is the place to be absolutely yeah people have been really understanding about it especially when they see all the things that you know when you walked in we had that pallet yeah you know of all the brewing equipment moving through the tap room yeah i feel like i don't know maybe that's part of the experience too of you know when you go to a brewery in a tap room that's maybe some of the difference because if you go to, uh, you know, one of the big ones and they have their tours and stuff, you are not going to see somebody coming through with spent grain or something like that or doing that kind of yeah. stuff. I, you know, it's part of the it, – it feels like you're very close to what's happening here. Definitely. When you're in here, which is something I think is really cool. Thank you. So there was a profile of Wiley Roots in uh, 5280 Magazine, which is kind of like a lifestyle magazine from the area. And uh, it's a really short, it was kind of recommending Wiley and some other breweries. And it talked about Wiley, and it was a little less complimentary of Greeley, which is the city where you're based, where we are right now. So I'm going to read this and then ask a question about it. Driving through Greeley, you often get a whiff of, well, you know. But today, the aromas of hops and barley fill the air around the University of Northern Colorado. So I'm a Greeley native myself. And, you know, I have no problem saying that Greeley has a well-earned reputation for being a cow town. Um, But when you meet other people from Colorado cities, you know, they'll often think of Greeley as that smelly place and all that kind of stuff. So do you feel like it's been tougher coming into the beer scene from Greeley as opposed to Fort Collins or Boulder or Denver or something like that? Absolutely. Uh, And I don't know if you've read the beer advocate they had a class of 2015 and they had a very similar article about weldworks okay and so absolutely i think i'm not going to speak for you know the other breweries in Greeley, but absolutely i think we felt that way that 
you know, we we are trying to put Greeley on the map. I, I would say not even try. We, we have put Greeley on the map along with our colleagues. Um, if you look at, you know, 50% of the breweries in our city want to won a medal at the Great American Beer Festival. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the statistics, but I'm assuming a lot of cities could not say that. And so I think that that mindset or coming into Greeley with that expectation actually shows a very outdated, um, you know, idea of what Greeley is coming out with. And so, you know, we do get that from time to time, you know, someone comes in the tap room or interviews us or, you know, talks to us. And to me, it just shows that they have no idea or, you know, they have no idea how, what the, what great things we are doing in Greeley, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a commitment, like I said, to quality and consistency that, you know, the five or six of us, we're all of, you know, the breweries are, we're trying to do that. And we have done that and we're winning medals. We're winning on a national level. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping that those, you know, articles can start to, to showcase <laughs> that and, you know, talk about what we're doing and, you know, not mention manure in the same right, sentence. I mean, people either love sours or really don't like sours. This is Don Wood, co-chair of the Wyoming Brewers Festival, who just happened to be at the brewery working with Kyle on making one of the hottest styles in beer right now, sour beer. Whether it's a Berliner Weiss, Goza, or Sour IPA, these beers are popping up everywhere, and Wiley has quickly made a name for itself with its mastery of this sometimes polarizing style. Um, I'm a big sour fan, yeah. uh, and so for me, it's, this is a little more of a uh, passion, passion project for me to be like, no, I have a say, and so therefore we're going to have sours. That's how everything gets done, you right? Can yeah. do it. <laughs> and I'm in charge. Cool. Um, but that's one of the things we're trying to work on and our goal for this is to make a uh, approachable sour right. kind of bridge that gap um, and not have those sours you can drink and go oh it's really good but oh I'll stick Super with the dry, one and yeah. I'm going to move on to something else um, and so when I told that to Kyle he's like yeah you know it's June let's get, we tend to have really nice weather let's get something nice and sessionable yeah. that people go go through the line they get their pour take the sip and immediately go back to the back of the line to hit another pour on me. Can you tell us a little bit more like from the insider perspective, like what is that brewer brewery community like and how has that been for you guys? Supportive? And- I think, you know, as I mentioned at the at the beginning, you know, that's one of the reasons why we were drawn to this industry is just how collaborative it is and people are willing to share ideas and, you know, concepts. And um, thankfully, we've been able to do that on a local level, uh, you know, with the other breweries in town as well as other businesses. We've, you know, created a lot of collaboration beers uh, with products that they create, whether it's tea, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, we've also, you know, worked with other breweries, thankfully now in Denver and, you know, Loveland. And so 
I, I think it's just a great way for us to, you know, learn from them. They can learn from us. And it's not, you know, just about the technical product that we're making, but just sure. the concept and, you know, the styles that we're brewing, you know, the way that we're, you know, sharing that message with everyone else. Sure. Yeah, it seemed a lot to me, outsider perspective, that, um, you know, this industry is a lot more all in it together than some others I've seen. It seems... L- I think as a craft, we have to be, you know, we're, I think, you know, Dogfish Head, they, they talked about that we're fighting for pennies and, you know, (laughs) compared to the macro brands, we, we, we want to be in it together because, you know, we're, we're creating this really unique, um, product and, you know, we're not necessarily able to compete on price or volume. We're competing on the unique and specialty things that we're doing. So why would we take away from another brand in our own city that's coming out with something special and unique? Right. We're going to support that just like they support us. Right. That's awesome. So are there any particularly interesting characters you've met in this line of work? And Yeah. Um, I, I asked Kyle that question and he... <laughs> He definitely wanted me to share. Uh, he went on a road trip, if you will, uh, last month to Jester King and, you know, got to camp, uh, you know, on their actual brewery, you know, grounds. And wow. uh, he got to camp with um, basically the guys from New Belgium. And, you know, just to be able to be in the same room as, the, again, kind of what I mentioned with being around, you know, in our world, it's famous people. Right. Um, you know, to be around Peter Buchart and you know his family it's just he he was just awestruck I think to yeah. again kind of what I mentioned just how, how are we remotely in the same you know game as what they're doing you know right. in terms of quality and it's just it's really special to to be around your heroes in that way yeah it seems like uh you know you guys have kind of your own subset of heroes in this industry that probably I'm thinking of, do you ever watch Parks and Recreation? Yeah. And Ron Swanson goes to, like, a woodworking convention, and he's like, oh, my <laughs> goodness, that's so-and-so, you know? He yeah. made this amazing chair. And it seems a little like that, where you've got these heroes that most people probably don't really know about, but that you guys and other people in that community are big fans of. Have you found those heroes to be... Is that a good experience, meeting those heroes? Definitely. I... You know, I think initially you, you want to ask them for an autograph and you just subtly <laughs> yeah. remind yourself, friends don't ask friends for autographs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's definitely it's definitely special that, you know, in our industry, just, you know, whether it's, you know, acting or what, whatever industry it is, entertainment, um, you have people that, you know, really stand out and, you know, make a product such as a film or, you know, beer. Um, that, you know, it influences you, you know, before you join this industry, you, you taste their product and, you know, you, you learn from them. And so to be around them is just extra special. So has getting involved in the business of brewing and beer and all that stuff, has that changed your relationship with beer since that started? Do you feel ever like, oh, geez, beer around me that I don't want around (laughs) me or? Well, I, you know, we, we go around to other breweries. We try to go to other breweries as often as we can. And we try, you know, really, at, you know, off the wall types of beers or styles. And, you know, we know from doing this as a business how hard it is to, you know, create that, you know, that specialty beer. And so we appreciate it, I think, that much more uh, when we find something that just, you know, blows your mind. It's just such a specialty type product. 
So it's it's changed your relationship, but in a positive way. I mean, it's been a good change, your relationship with beer. Oh, definitely. I, I wouldn't say that at the end of our day, you know, we sit down at the bar and, oh, right. another beer. I don't want to drink our own <laughs> beer. I mean, it's definitely not like that. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> we, we, we definitely still drink our own, our own products. <laughs> good. What would you say to, you know, if there's somebody who isn't a huge fan of beer, but is kind of interested in it, how would you, what would be kind of a gateway for them maybe to getting into it? I would say just if you're willing to try anything. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, when we started that trip, I had, you know, style preferences. Sure. But I, you know, required myself to try everything. And right. sure enough, my palate adjusted. Um, I started to enjoy different styles. And at this point, I'll, I'll drink anything. I enjoy any, all, any and all styles. And when we have customers that'll come into the tap room, you know, even if they don't like it, just that they're willing to try something new. I, I praise them for that, you know, and just right. say, good job. You know, you tried something <laughs> new. That's all I can ask. That's all I can ask of any of our customers is, right. you know, try something. If you try something enough times, your palate, I think, will eventually adjust. That makes sense. That makes sense. Are you still a wine fan? I am, but I I probably haven't had wine in probably six to nine months. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we we have a chocolate porter that uh was aged in a wine barrel so that's uh, that's as close as I, i've come to wine but it's bringing back those phantom memories of yeah <laughs> yeah okay i have one more big question for you sure so i have a downstairs neighbor who brews a lot of beer at home which uh we know because you know when he's brewing and he's boiling things and stuff like that it wafts up into the upstairs apartment <laughs> and so you know he does a lot of it um and, you know, we've talked to him a lot, and he'd love to do that for a living. He'd love to do that. Um, so what advice would you give for somebody looking to kind of step, make that step, make that transition into a bigger world of brewing? Like, what surprised you about this business, and what do you wish someone had told you is maybe the best way I can ask that question? Well, I, I definitely... It's it, it, someone, you know, gave me all the advice in the world. I, I wouldn't have changed my decision, <laughs> which is, I guess, a good thing to say. Um, but, you know, it, it really is a culture and a lifestyle. And, you know, as much as I, I mentioned how much we financially prepared for this and, uh, you know, I, we did the best that we could. But, you know, emotionally, you know, you go from an office job <laughs> You know, I had a corner office in downtown Denver, you know, to, you know, bartending and, you know, just wearing different hats. And, you know, I think emotionally, it's hard. It's really hard to have, you know, your product in front of someone. They're tasting it and drinking it in front of you and, you know, rating it. And, you know, it really takes a strong person to um, to engage with them here if they don't like a certain aspect of your product and not take it personally, but still be confident in yourself to know what you need to change, but also know what you're doing really, really well. And, oh, maybe they just, you know, don't know, you know. So kind of hearing that feedback and being able to evaluate it non-emotionally, even though the product is emotional, even though Absolutely. it's an important thing. And, and I think it takes a special person to, to be in that situation. Um, you know, I... I also think that, you know, it's, it's not as lucrative as, you know, I, as people may lead other people to believe it's, you know, and I, I read something to myself. There was this blog, it was either eight or 10 
10 pieces of advice uh, for entrepreneurs. And I read it to myself whenever I'm having a really rough day. But, you know, there's there's one person that you get to know better than anybody else. And that's yourself Mm -hmm. when you open your own business. And, you know, you think you work really hard before, but when you do it for yourself, you know, any excuses that you have, you know, you can't, you know, blame, you can't blame anything on anybody. If something isn't the way that it's supposed to be, there's one person and that's you. And I don't know that, I don't think that's for everybody. That's great. No, I mean, it's not, answer. I mean, I don't want to mean to make it sound, I, I, I'm trying to be realistic that yeah. I, I don't mean to in, discourage anyone. Um, you know, we have a lot of people that come in the tap room that, you know, are doe-eyed and we're where we were several years ago. And, you know, I just try to tell them, you know, or, or first of all, I, I, if they ask for advice, I'll definitely give, share my opinion with them. But, um, you know, it, it really is. I think, um, so Kyle and I, the, we just took off a couple of days together. The last time we had days off together was in July. So okay. to give you an idea of, you know, we we're here all the time. We right. work all the time. Uh, we don't have children. So I can't imagine opening your own business or brewery with children. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, but it is all consuming in every way. And th- I mean, if you don't love it, you're, you're very quickly going to burn out because, you know, energy, emotions, that's gonna that's gonna get you through about the first six months and then it's you're really this is this is my life and you know you're doing the best that you can and i think you just you have to be confident and believe in yourself i mean that's really what i would say if you believe in yourself and you know that's that's the kind of person that's going to be successful being an entrepreneur thank you for listening to this episode of weldcast If you would like more information about the project or you would like to participate, please visit our website at weldcast.com or by calling 1-888-861-7323. This has been a production of the High Plains Library District.